I don't care who's first or who last, but I know that y'all just better rock this at the drop of a dime, baby. This is a Joe Rock Welcome to the Football Cypher here on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network. I'm Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook. And you can follow me on Twitter at FBall Game Plan. I'm joined with my fellow analysts, Chris James, Gene Clemens, Teron Davenport, and Brandon Howard. You can follow Chris on Twitter at CJFlorida9, Gene at Gene Clemens, Teron at T Davenport underscore NFL, and Brandon at B Howard underscore 81. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Game Plan Podcast on iTunes. And leave us a five-star rating. Show us that you appreciate the analysis that we're giving you on this podcast. That's where you'll find all of our many different shows. You can also find them archived on our website at footballgameplan.com slash podcast. And finally, don't forget to check out and subscribe to the Football Game Plan Network on YouTube, located at youtube.com slash footballgameplan. And if you're not familiar to what a rap cipher is, it's a crowd that forms and freestyles as they pass the mic around but there won't be any rapping going on here it'll be exactly the same we'll pass the mic around and keep the football takes flowing so and we're going to kick off our nfl team previews in the cypher and in this episode we'll take a look at the minnesota vikings and some of the biggest questions heading into the 2017 season and i'll kick this one off guys looking at the quarterback position sam bradford what can we expect in 2017 from sam bradford I think you can expect what you've seen from Sam Bradford his entire career, which is mediocrity. You'll see a you'll see a quarterback who's okay. Hopefully, you know, God willing, for the people um, that 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 call themselves Vikings fans, he won't he won't be the reason why they don't succeed. Um, I think that the the Murray injury is a blessing in disguise because it allows them to. Um, make this Dalvin Cook's world earlier rather than later. Um, you know that with the with the coach, um, you're not going to have a dude throwing the ball 40, 45 times. Um, that's going to work in his favor. But at the end of the day, he's just not that dude, and there's nothing that he can do about it. He's just not. He's not built for this. He's not Teddy Bridgewater. And until they have Teddy Bridgewater back at quarterback, I think they'll just be getting. They'll be getting mediocre, okay quarterback play. Yeah, Sam Bradford, he's a guy that's going to keep you in a game, but he'll also make that crazy throw to lose the game for you more times than he'll make the throw to win the game for you. So, you know, I, I think Sam Bradford is someone that, that just he, – he's not the guy to get it done for them, and they're going to have to really rely on, on the running game. So – Fortunately for, for them, they, they were able to land a guy like Dalvin Cook. But I, I don't expect much more than what we've seen from Sam Bradford, and that's a series of checkdowns and, you, you know, scary quarterback play you know, in the pocket. So it's just another mediocre year for Bradford. Yeah, I mean, you know, at this point, the book is out on Sam Bradford. We know who he is. He, he's going to check the ball down uh, before he even has to. Um, he feels pressure that is not there. Uh, I, I think he's, you know, I hate using the phrase because it's been kind of popularized and used a little bit much by 
the national media, but you know, he's been shell shocked, so to speak. And um, I really think that you're not going to see the full potential of this offense until Teddy Bridgewater gets back. And, uh, you know, hopefully Teddy Bridgewater, you know, will have an opportunity to, to come back at full strength and show you what he can do. Uh, but, you know, at this point, we all know what Sam Bradford is, and uh, he's not going to maximize uh, what this offense is capable of. You know, I'm going to take this moment to actually kind of defend Sam Bradford in this particular offense. Uh, Sam Bradford in St. Louis was a bust. He didn't live up to expectation. I think it was a poor choice to select Sam Bradford to the offense. Chip Kelly wanted to run. But in this particular offense, I think he fits well. And that's that was a good move by them. In the last season, remember, 15 games, he threw for just under 4,000 yards, completed almost 72% of his completions, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. I mean, injury and also a lack of blocking really negatively affected him. And the number one thing that negatively affected him was an inefficient run game. Having a guy like Dalvin Cook, a game breaker, will alleviate pressure on him. The thing I will say against Sam Bradford is in the face of pressure, he folds quicker than a than a than a, than a TP made of TP. But if he's protected, he can throw darts, and we've seen that. And he can get it to open receivers. He's accurate. I think that he'll have a pretty good season this year, uh, even though Teddy Bridgewater, to me, once fully healthy, is still the guy for this offense at quarterback. Than a TP made of TP, Chris. I mean, you could come up with a better uh, analogy than that, man. But um, I, I, you know what is. We to to I kind of agree with you. I think we know what we're gonna get from Sam Bradford. He's Mister Seven and Nine. I mean, it's no coincidence that that he was coached by, you know, Mister Seven and Nine himself. Nine. <laughs> exactly, you know, and he statistically he wasn't that bad in Philadelphia his last season. And I think what happened to him, I think coming out he would have been a really good quarterback. But just like I've always thought with Carson Palmer. Once he got hurt that first time, um, it kind of made him shell-shocked in the pocket because he wasn't like that at Oklahoma until he got hurt. Once he hurt that shoulder against BYU, I think that's what kind of scared him a little bit. Then he got over that, and then in St. Louis, you know, he had the Rams on the brink of the playoffs as a rookie, gets hurt, and then just kind of like played shell shock after that. And you saw that at times last year. I, I want to say it maybe was – the Detroit game or one of those, maybe it was a Dallas game. He had like, it was like, oh, look at his completion percentage. But he was throwing literally all stop routes. Like, yo, that's not playing good quarterback. He's not trying to push the ball down the field. So I think in that sense, you already know right off the bat, this offense will be limited. It will be one-dimensional and therefore be easier to stop. And and because of that, you have to wonder um, if – and when um, Teddy Bridgewater is healthy, um, do the Vikings make that move back to him, or do they do they do they treat this as a um, a medical redshirt year for um, Teddy Bridgewater? Um, so my question is, will we see Teddy Bridgewater behind center this year for the Vikings? I don't think we are going to see him, and I think you you said it. They're going to treat it like a medical red shirt, and there's a team that gave up a, a, a number one pick for Sam Bradford last year, so I, I think they're going to try to get as much as they can out of Bradford, and I, I could definitely see them not allowing Bridgewater to, to play this year, even if he gets to the point where he's capable of 
Yeah, Teron, I actually uh, got a chance to speak to a couple people down here in South Florida. You know he's from here. Mm. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, in his mind, is ready right now to play football. Uh, and that confidence is only going to grow stronger um, as the season goes along. With that said, I don't believe this organization allows him to play this year. Um, but Teddy's working hard. Uh, he's one of those guys. He's one of the toughest kids you ever want to come across. Um, you know, everything he's been through with his mother surviving cancer and um, all he wants to do is be as tough as his mother was going through that situation. So, um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, super tough kid. I think in his mind he believes he's ready to play, but I don't believe um, this team will let him set foot on the football field this year. Applied logic. There's only one situation in which we see Teddy Bridgewater this year, and this is not me wishing it upon him. If late in the season or at a reasonable time in the season, we see a catastrophic injury to Sam Bradford, because logically Sam Bradford's obviously going to start day one. If the Vikings are doing well, why replace Sam Bradford? If they're doing poorly, why put Teddy Bridgewater in there for a failing season? And the only way I'd bring that guy back is if we're at a, a 10 and three mark or something like that. And Sam Bradford suffers a season ending injury. I know that I have a team that can possibly go to a Super Bowl because of that defense and what we're doing at that point. That's the only time I think we would see Teddy Bridgewater this season. You know what? I kind of like the way the Vikings are playing this. I think they're playing it smart. Um, I wish they wouldn't have given up a first round pick for Sam Bradford. That was idiotic, but they were kind of backed against the wall because Taylor Heineke had just broken his, I, I want to say, foot or wrist doing something stupid. So he would have been the guy that would have been the starter. Um, and he really didn't trust Sean Hill. But I do like the fact that they're allowing Teddy Bridgewater to come back slowly and make sure when he does get back out there, he's 100%. We talk about this all the time um, off air and off offline, how in a way coming back too quickly from an injury to a knee is sort of what hurt RG3 because he felt that pressure from someone taking his job or the pressure from the media saying, oh, Kirk Cousins is better, although he's only, only hitting check downs. I think the Vikings understand Bridgewater got them to the playoffs, should have beaten Carolina, and probably should have went to the Super Bowl last year uh, when Bridgewater was healthy and, and that roster was where it was uh, coming into the season, and he has that freak injury in the preseason, or sorry, at, at practice. So, I think they're not going to play him. Uh, they're going to allow him to come back slowly. So when he does see that field, he's going to be like we saw prior to him getting hurt because it, it serves him no purpose now uh, of putting him out there right now. You got Sam Bradford. You're going to go seven and nine, um, you know, stockpile some more draft picks or what have you. You did a good job last year drafting talent. So let Teddy come back and be Teddy and not come back and be hobbled like we saw a guy that played in Minnesota that came back a little bit too early and Dante Culpepper. And we saw how his career finished once he went down into Miami. Yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you guys and say that um, there's little to no chance that Teddy Bridgewater steps on the field for um, the Vikings this year with the exception of this and, and, and CJ touched on it, but I think it has to be, um, it has to be noted. Sam Bradford's kind of brittle. And because he's prone to break, if you're, if you're rolling, if you have a season that's going well 
and now you're into the second half of that season and you're and you have an opportunity to to bring Teddy Bridgewater off of the off of the 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 short term I the IR list, you know, and and have him finish out your season while you're fighting for playoffs. And it's been proven now. All you have to do is get in. If you get in, you can make a run for the dance, you know, for the dance. And so it'll be interesting to see if Sam Bradford doesn't stay healthy, like how much better is that offensive line? If he gets hurt and, and the timing is right, can we tell can we see them roll the dice with Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, I mean it's gonna be interesting watching this whole thing work out. But one of the things, regardless of who's back there, what one of the things that they're gonna to need to happen is, is have Dalvin Cook find some degree of success. So that being said, do you guys think Dalvin Cook is a rookie of the year, offensive rookie of the year candidate in this offense? Yeah, I, I definitely uh, believe that he is. Uh, they're, they're definitely going to feed him the football, uh, whether it be, you know, catching the football out of the backfield, um, you know, running the football. And, and he's just so dynamic and he's so quick. Um, you know, it, it's like turning the film on him. Okay, he didn't time the best in Indy. To me, none of that stuff matters at all. Uh, you turn on the film on Dalvin Cook, he's a guy that looks like he's running at a totally different speed. So, um, you know, than the rest of his competition. And uh, I really think that, you know, once he gets comfortable in the NFL, it's going to look exactly the same. So I believe, you know, where he, you know, went in the draft, that's virtually a steal for a guy as talented as Dalvin Cook, and he's definitely in the running for, uh, for Rookie of the Year. So the Vikings couldn't open up holes last year, and they went out and addressed it by getting Pat Alflein for the end tie. He's going to play either center or guard. Uh, Danny Isadora, same thing. Getting some talent in there to replace some of the players who just weren't getting it done. The reason that he becomes a true, or Delvin Cook becomes a true uh, candidate for Rookie of the Year is Latavius Murray's foot. If Latavius Murray, who I think they planned on having start early to you know pick up blitzes and do all the normal things that veteran running backs do, that was probably their goal, and let Dalvin Cook start to matriculate into the offense. If, he, if he's not healthy, Dalvin Cook's going to start. So he's going to get the requisite touches and the requisite carries because you're not going to run rookie of the year playing, you know, half the games, half the snaps, half of whatever. But if he gets the three down snaps and gets the opportunity, we've seen that Dalvin Cook is a home run hitter, period. So he definitely has the opportunity, thanks to Latavius Murray's ankle, unfortunately not healing as quickly as they'd like. I'm more inclined to believe even if Latavius Murray was out there at 100%, wearing Bo Jackson jersey or Herschel Walker jersey in Minnesota, Delvin Cook was going to be the starter and was going to be the home run hitter. I don't I, I don't know why Oakland wasted their time that long with Latavius Murray. He runs too high. He's high cut. He he gives up too much of his body. If he's 6'2", he runs 6'2". And when you have a guy like Cook that can really ring up that cash register pretty quickly, and I don't know how he ran a 4'5", because clearly on film he looks like a 4'2 guy because he's always outrunning angles, and he can also help you out in the passing game as a deep receiver down the field. Cook, to me, on that turf, um, in this offense that's going to probably minimize the effect of Sam Bradford, Cook may get 13 or 1,400 yards as a rookie. I mean, even Percy Harvin ran a slow 40 time, and we know what he does with pads on. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. I think that Dalvin Cook is one of those guys that just continually um, proves to you that Football players are not track athletes. And there's a difference between football speed and track speed. And what he does when he's on the field, when those 
when he's picking them up and putting them down, it's, it's hard to keep those alligators on the ground, as my boy Rick Flair would say. Um, Woo! Woo! <laughs> I think I agree with CJ. I thought that, that the Vikings were going to try to force feed us Latavius Murray. I think they were going to shove him down our throats early and have Dalvin Cook be this um be this Christian McCaffrey like change of pace guy. And I just don't believe that's his best, his best chance for success. And so while I never root for anyone to get injured, I think that that injury allows for them to do something that maybe they didn't want to do. And in hindsight, they're going to go, why the hell didn't we want to do this in the first place? And, and so I think that's why he's a legitimate um, rookie of the year candidate mixed with the fact that you know Zimmer's not trying to put the ball in the air, you know, 50 times a game. It's just not in his DNA. He wants to keep it close. He wants to play good defense. He wants to run the clock down. And he wants to get you into the fourth quarter where he can try to win it. And I think that's a recipe that he believes is going to be successful for him, having to go against, you know, Aaron Rodgers and, and Matt Stafford and, and, and try to keep those games from becoming shootouts. And that's what he's going to going to do. And and Dalvin Cook is going to be the beneficiary of that. And in my opinion, have a very an excellent chance um, to win Rookie of the Year, closely followed by Christian McCaffrey. I, I tell you this: there, there's no excuse for him falling into the second round. To be honest with you, and, and it just it makes me sick when you have these guys who use these dumb spider charts and focus on spark, and, and they, they focus on everything except for actually playing football. And if you look at playing football, running the football, I, I really find it hard to find a running back in this draft that that could do the things that Dalvin Cook can do. But then on top of that, you also have to factor in his ability to be a, a impact player catching the football out of the backfield. The guy has receiver-like skills there also. So you have a multi-dimensional uh, outlook when you're looking at Dalvin Cook. He can impact the offense in, in a couple of ways. He just needs to hold on to the ball. <laughs> That's always important. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm, I'm going to go to the other side of the football and um, – the guy that, in my opinion, kind of had more of a, a breakout year last year is uh, Xavier Rhodes. And um, my question to you all is uh, just how good uh, can, can he be? You know, it's a great question. And when he was coming out, I wasn't the biggest Xavier Rhodes fan, but I understood why people liked him. To me, he was too aggressive. He relied on some of his physicality over his footwork coming out. And I think what's happened is having the opportunity to be there in, in Minnesota – and work with Zimmer and work with that whole unit, he's become that guy. He's become that type of lockdown corner. He's big, he's physical. He's kind of has the second coming of Patrick Peterson from a physicality standpoint and how he's built. So the sky's the limit for this young man if he continues to you know, improve his game as he goes along. And he has the benefit also of being surrounded by all sorts of talent in that secondary. So Xavier Rhodes can develop into a shutdown corner, and it also helps having the amount of talent he has around him on the back end. I'm a big Xavier Rhodes fan. To me, he reminds me a lot of a guy I played with in Charles Tillman, you know, as far as a big physical corner that can play cover two. He can match up one-on-one. -on -one. He has the long arms to be able to, 
to swat the ball away and has really good ball skills. Now, he may not be the, the turnover causer that Tillman was with the Bears, but I do think Rhodes just causes a lot of problems because he has the size and plays with the size. And, you know, that's two different things. You could, play, you could be big and play small, but I like how physical he is in both man and zone coverage. I like his ball skills. I like his instincts. And also, quite honestly, coming up in, in as far as the alley and run support is, is concerned, he definitely is is above average in that area as well. So I think he's a complete corner. I think he can be the premier player in the secondary for this defense alongside Harrison Smith, and I'm a big fan of his game. Shout out to Florida State, cranking out them, cranking out them boys. Um, Xavier Rhodes is a, is a dog, and, and keep in mind this. He's only going into his third season. He just inked a $70 million contract. So what does that tell you? A, he's got his bread, so he doesn't have to feel any pressure because it's going to be what it is. We know they're not guaranteed contracts. We know that there's a good chance he's never going to see the end of that contract because that's how the NFL works. But he's got his money right now. So all he has to do is go out there and, and worry about being the best Xavier Rhodes he can be. And he's playing for the best coach to play for if you're an aggressive defensive player in the NFL. What other coach would you want to play for than Mike Zimmer? He lets the dogs loose all the time. He doesn't know how to keep him on the leash, um, sometimes to his own detriment. So I, I look at what, what Rose does and his ability to play multiple coverages and, and, and his, his physicality. Sky's the limit for him. I think he's going to have a fantastic season. Would not be surprised to see him um, crack an all-pro position this year. Yeah, and, you know, the thing I like about Xavier Rose is he uses that length covering the deep ball. So, you know, there's a lot when it comes to him. He's able to bait the quarterback into uh, throwing the ball and picking it off. That's what he did against the Eagles when he picked off Carson Wentz across the middle. So uh, I think he's going to be a, a top-level corner without a doubt. And there really aren't any weaknesses to his game because he, he's willing to come up and – mix it up against the run, and, and like you say, he, he's an outstanding cover guy. So I think definitely the, the sky's the limit for him. And, I mean, he's in the right situation also. And, and, and being in the right program that's going to spotlight what you do well is always a good thing. Absolutely, uh, Tarana. And just to kind of underscore what, what you were saying, um, his size, uh, he, he's the type of uh, corner that will frustrate the, the life out of you as a wide receiver because he's so big and he's so fast at the same time. And you're not just going to run a takeoff on him. Uh, and, and he's going to get in your chest. You know, your releases have to be on point as a wide receiver. You might have to take a little bit more time at the line of scrimmage uh, when you're going up against a guy like this, just to make sure your release is clean. So, um, you know, he's a tough guy to go up against. And, um, I would not be surprised if we see him in the Pro Bowl um, or as maybe even an All-Pro. Um, he, he, I think the sky's the limit for this guy. I think he's going to be one of the premier corners uh, for some time here. And we know that Xavier Rhodes works out against the wide receiver group because he's got to get those guys in shape. And there's a wide receiver who has been on the side of a milk carton so far early in his career. I have an honest question. What happened to Laquan Treadwell? <laughs> I, I tell you what, man, I, I'm so sick of these teams drafting wide receivers and not playing them, uh, especially this particular team, right? We saw them draft Laquan Treadwell and not play him last year. 
we saw them draft Cordero Patterson and totally don't underst- not understand how to use him. Uh, so I think it's all about usage. We just saw this dude do what he did at Ole Miss. Now, granted, he's not the dynamic playmaker or whatever or the dynamic athlete, but he's a guy that can make the contested catch. He's a really good wide receiver, and I thought they had the perfect trio with him, Diggs, and also – uh, Patterson, even Quartet, if you include Jerry is right and Adam, Adam Thielen uh, rotating out their fourth spot, but they let Patterson walk to Oakland and they didn't play Treadwell all season long. And they love to blame it on, well, he just didn't learn uh, the nuances and the in- intricacies of the of the receiving uh, aspect of the passing game. Like, man, how about you just find ways to get the ball in his hands? Football is an easy game. It's not that hard. Get your best players on the field and you create matchup problems. I don't know why uh, a team like Minnesota, especially when you have skittish quarterback play like Gene called uh, Bradford Brittle, um, you know, he breaks in the pocket or whatever. Uh, get the best receivers out there. You drafted him in the first round for a reason because you expected Teddy to be there and expected Bridgewater to get him the football. So now that Bridgewater is not out there, you don't think he can play well with Sam Bradford? Put him out there, find ways to get him the football and let him do what he did at Ole Miss. The Achilles heel of well, let me just say this. While if you're a defensive player, um, Mike Zimmer is the coach that you want to play for. If you're an offensive player, there's no bigger like curse in the world than going to play for Mike Zimmer, Be- especially if you're playing wide receiver. This dude does not give a damn about offense. He, does, he, he thinks offense is simply there to keep the clock moving until, until the time it's time for his defense to go back out there. Um, he, he's handcuffed um, Teddy Bridgewater in his first couple of years as a quarterback and, and, and his dynamic abilities because he wouldn't just unhitch, the, unhitch the, the albatross and let him be who he is. And you can say the same thing for um, some of the tight end talent that they've had and some of the other receiver talent. And Treadwell, uh, unfortunately, is, is falling into that category where he hasn't had an opportunity to shine because it's, he, he plays in an offense that's not predicated on the offense shining. Can't really do much if you're not getting a shot to, to do it. But I think along with that not getting a shot, I mean, this is a team that fell in love with Adam Thielen last, last year, and, and they wanted to give him more opportunities to catch the football. And, and there was a point where they were going to him more than Stephon Diggs, and that's just completely unacceptable. And, uh, you know, it's just been a, a detriment to, to Treadwell. And it's unfortunate because I thought that he was a really good receiver coming out. And we know what he did at Ole Miss. But then it's just like all of a sudden he forgot how to play football in, in their mind. So it's unfortunate. They do need to give him a shot. And, uh, I mean, the bottom line is you need guys that, that are going to have that, that, you know, ability to, to catch the football and make something happen after it when you have a guy like Sam Bradford as your quarterback? Uh, when it comes to Treadwell, um, I'm not as big on him as a lot of you are. I wasn't when he was at Ole Miss. Um, at the same time, you know, anytime you see a wide receiver that can attack the football the way that he can, you got to give that guy an opportunity. And, um, you know, I, I, I like some of what he brings to the table. I really think that he'd be an excellent compliment to Stephon Diggs. Um, you know, but at the same time, um, he's got a lot to prove, I think. And he's got a lot to prove in terms of being able to separate. Is he going to be that guy that's always going to have to make the contested catch? 
at the next level. I mean, you saw a lot of that during his time at Ole Miss. He was a guy that constantly had to make the contested catch. Um, I just struggle to, you know, I guess wrap my mind around how he'd be best utilized, you know, at the next level. And I just want to see, you know, what's the next step for him. But sadly, it just seems as though he's not going to get that opportunity anytime soon. Gene's right from the perspective that Mike Zimmer, he's not going to try to air the ball out. His whole goal is to make sure that we're efficient, effective, and score as little points as possible with still getting a W. But they still throw the ball. And they still had, at the end of the season, Adam Thielen was by far their number one receiving target, getting thrown 13 passes in a game. So what really frustrates me about the Laquan Treadwell situation was it wasn't an injury thing. He played nine games, technically started one. And unlike at the running back position where you might have an issue where they don't know what to do when certain blitzes come or shifts happen or things like that and protection is the issue, you're playing dog on receiver. Either he knew how to run routes when you drafted him or he didn't. Either he understood concepts when you drafted him or he didn't. And that goes to the scouting department. So since you clearly drafted him, I don't understand why they refuse to utilize him as if he, I don't know what he did to someone, but it was almost criminal in the fact that they refused to get this guy the ball. There's no reason for him to have one reception for 15 yards on the season last season. Hopefully this year they actually realize what they have as a good intermediate target. Like he, he reminds me in some respects of Anquan Bolden from the perspective, and I'm not calling him Anquan. I'm just saying strong hands attacks the ball, not going to wow you with what he does physically from a speed standpoint. Yeah. I just don't understand why coaches make it so difficult, man. Why do play calls have to be a paragraph long? Why do receivers have to understand these mad bohemian routes when essentially you just need them to get rid of the football, need a quarterback to get rid of the football quickly. Receivers have to find themselves open quickly and let your offense work. I mean, the, as complicated as they say the West Coast offense was, it was basically slants, crossers, quick outs, speed outs. It was so simple, and people was able to step in and thrive right away, and then everybody wanted to be the smartest guy in the room and add their verbiage and have these paragraph-long plays. So I don't understand it. Treadwell can play, and they have to find ways to get him on the field because they didn't get Cordero Patterson on the field. Now he's going to go out there and thrive in Oakland. So – Going around the room, starting with Eugene, where do you have the Vikings finishing in the NFC North? Um, unfortunately, I think that they're going to find themselves third because I think their their offense just won't be enough to hold serve against um, the two better teams in Detroit and Green Bay. You mean to tell me you don't like you don't like uh, Jet Wright, Z Orbit, Y Banana Spider? <laughs> <laughs> You're right, man. I don't know why they have to make make football so complicated. But anyway, uh, getting with the predictions, man. I I got them finishing third. I, I think they'll be above the Browns, who or excuse me, the the Bears, who are simply the worst team in the division. So uh, I put them at, at at third place. Yeah, I don't believe the Vikings will have a embarrassing season by any means, but. Uh, Definitely have them finishing uh, third uh, behind the Packers and the Lions. Um, you know, the Bears will definitely be at the bottom of that division. Um, but uh, the Vikings will, will be third there. And I haven't finished in second. Reason being is I don't think we realize how good this de- – well, maybe we do – how good this defense is. And as long as Sam Bradford is able to stay average, they should be able to have a pretty good campaign. Heck, 
the Denver Broncos were able to win a Super Bowl with the corpse of Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler playing throughout the season two years ago. <laughs> yo, you 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 know Sam Bradford gonna run in that huddle on week one, like yo, bro, I can get you to seven to nine. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to need y'all to do the I rest. Got seven in the possible. <laughs> I got seven in the possible. Yeah, exactly. But what did he just say he had a face hand? Like, what the? <laughs> got seven in the possible. Yo, that's, that's a good way to end it, man. So that's it for this episode of the Football Cypher. So make sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a five-star rating. For Chris, Gene, Brandon, and Teron, I'm Emory Hunt, the Zara, the Playbook, and this has been the Football Cypher on the Football Game Plan Podcast Network.